0: Welcome back to the Get Stark podcast. Derek Stark here, episode 28, and one that I've been very much so looking forward to recording with Coach Zach Woodfin. Coach, how are we doing today? Doing great, Derek. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So I always like to preface my podcast with kind of a story of how the guests and I met. So for us, it dates back to probably two springs ago, and I was at Signs of Life coffee shop working on my thesis, and I went down to use the restroom, and I saw a gentleman sitting down there with a Packers lanyard and uh, I just briefly walked past and noticed it. And then on my way back, I I had to stop and ask about the Packer lanyard. And sure enough, I found out that not only had you played for the Packers, but you also you worked for the Packers. So that was kind of
1: a a neat experience. Yeah, that was cool. It was was good for me to to know there were some more Packer fans in Lawrence because if I remember correctly, it was... Around the time, I just moved to Lawrence, Um, and uh, it was definitely good to know there were some Packer fans down here. Absolutely. Yeah, there seems to be Packer fans
0: kind of anywhere you go, which uh, I love that about America. Great fan base. Great fan base, yeah. (laughs) So we'll dive into some of that a little later, but just wanted to get that started. So, Coach, I wanted to talk about your childhood a little bit. Uh, Born in Montgomery, Alabama?
1: Yes, Montgomery, Alabama. And is that
0: where you were born and raised, or is that just...
1: It is. Um, essentially, I was raised in a town about 10 minutes north called Prattville. Um, Prattville is too small to have a hospital, so okay. I was born <laughs> in Montgomery. Uh, but uh, ra- yeah, raised in that general area. Uh, went to high school at Prattville High School, and um, it was awesome. You know, it was a great, great place to grow up.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, your childhood in that area, you know, your your parents, siblings, mm-hmm. all those kinds
1: of things. Sure. Um, well, like I said, I had a great childhood, um, mainly because I had great parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a great support system. I had great aunts and uncles. Um, my grandmother lived in that area. Just a really big family, um, and they were all very supportive, a very close-knit family. And so every time I played any sport game, there was multiple people there cheer me mm-hmm. on. Um, so great mom and dad uh, who are still still together you know, in their mid-60s, uh, which is a blessing for, for me to see that and to really strive my marriage to, to reach that as well. You know, um, I have an older sister who's two years older than me. Uh, she, uh, she's an art teacher and she's an artist. Uh, she has her own um, art business slash, uh, I guess you could say, studio there in the town we grew up in where wow. she sells art. She teaches art, she does classes, um, she's really talented, I'm really proud of her. Um, so it was, it was awesome growing up in Alabama, you know, Alabama's really hot, for yes. anybody that doesn't know <laughs> about it, it's very hot and very humid, mm-hmm. um, and so you, in the summer, you walk out and you sweat within 15 seconds, you're, yeah. you're drenched, so, um, you know, heat doesn't bother me ever, because what I grew up in, I like being hot, yep. Um, but it was uh, it was great, you know. Small town, uh, everything you think of small town, you know. Um, America, good people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely. If, if you know the history of Montgomery, Alabama, you know that um, there's some there's some rough history there. You know, that's mm-hmm. where some of the civil rights um, movements happened um, with Martin Luther King and uh, and so there's definitely some some uh, tough spots about it that. Yeah. That uh, thankfully, again, for great parents, um, I was raised uh, well to to treat everybody the same, uh, regardless of of color, regardless of uh, any differences, you Mm -hmm. know. And so I'm really thankful. A lot of people um, have a stereotype, I think, of of that area that everybody's, you know, racist or everybody's uh, one way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I can definitely say that's not the truth. I think there's. There's, uh, there's bad people everywhere. Very uh, true. Regardless of what the history is of, of a region, but um, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed growing up in Alabama. I would eventually one day probably like to move back. Hmm. Um, I went to college at UAB, uh, there in Birmingham, Alabama, and so um, tons of friends, tons of family. Uh, it was a great place. Yeah, sounds like that'll always be home. Yeah, for sure, because it's it's where I met my wife. We were high school sweethearts. Wow, I didn't know that. So even though her parents have since moved to New York, she calls Alabama home too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, she loves it. She went to Auburn, which is there in Alabama as well. And so we both kind of call that home. Uh, and I think one day, maybe when I'm done coaching, we'll end up there again.
0: Mm. So, growing up, were you a fan of Alabama or yeah. Auburn? <laughs>
1: you know, that's a funny, uh, funny story. Everybody in that state says you got to be one of the two, right? Yeah. Uh, enormous rivalry. Um, so, I grew up Alabama all the way until I was old enough to start getting recruited because I was a high school football player. Well, Alabama did not recruit me, so I turned on them, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Auburn did recruit me. Okay. So I'm like, oh, I'm an Auburn fan now. Like, forget, yeah. forget Alabama. They don't <laughs> want me. I don't want them um and then auburn uh did not offer me UAB did mm. so then i'm like you know what i don't like alabama or auburn <laughs> i'm going to start a new trend like i'm just UAB that's it all the way uh you know go with the uh go with the underdog and, and you know since UAB has had a a lot of ups and downs you know speaking of UAB they just won conference USA so the first time in its history, they won the conference. Wow. Uh, they won 10 games for the first time in history. Um, but uh, really, really proud of my alma mater. Uh, they're going to the second ever bowl game. The first ever was my senior year. Wow. I'm sorry. Uh, they're third. They made a bowl last year as well. But um, at uh, 2014, they shut their program down. Right. Uh, and I was coaching there at the time. Yes. And so that's uh, part of my story as well. Um the program was shut down, and we all had to move. Um, players had to move and everything, but they they raised enough money, they brought it back, and now it's thriving. Mm. I'm
0: really proud of them. I'd love to
1: see that. Yeah.
0: That's similar to what happened where I went to undergrad, University of Wisconsin lacrosse, the baseball team kind of folded, and it was mm-hmm. a big bummer because it was a great program, especially at the Division three level up in the WIAC, and then we had some donors that really kind of galvanized things and got it back running, and now – back to playing great baseball so yeah love those stories yep yeah so so we're kind of diving into your football career here and I'm curious when is the first time that you started playing organized football
1: I started playing really really young six years old okay um which in Alabama where football is the king uh most kids that that play they start (laughs) they started six yeah uh you know my dad was the coach and uh Sometimes when I'm home, we'll we'll watch like somebody videoed back when you had the the uh, VHS recorders that sat on your shoulder. Yeah, you know, <laughs> somebody did that. We still have the tapes. We actually got them converted to DVDs. Very so cool. we'll we'll watch some of those games, and it is it is funny to see <laughs> like little six year olds with these big pads, yes. just running around, knocking into each other. Um, but yeah, six years old. Wow.
0: These days, especially with some of the research and science out there, you see six year olds playing football and it can kind of be a, a scary sight.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of um, parents, they, they want to start their kids now in flag football. Yes. If they're young, like six, seven, eight, to learn the rules um, of the game before they start um, having a lot of contact. Mm. And uh, it's something I thought of as well. Um, I have a six year old now yeah. and uh, would like to maybe get him into flag football uh, for a little bit before he goes into real football. Cause, mm. cause he definitely wants to play. Yeah. Valor strikes <laughs> me as a football player. Oh yeah. He loves football. So, um, it's just a matter of when, when he's going to start. Definitely.
0: So when, when you were growing up and playing football, did you
1: specialize at some point or were you always diversified playing different sports? I was diversified all the way until high school. Okay. Um, and, uh, really, um, think that's really healthy for young athletes I'm an advocate of multi-sport play um, and not specializing young Um, there's a lot of research out um, on that um, athletic development and and uh, mostly all of it states the more diverse of an athletic background a child can have the better Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah I played baseball I played basketball I played football I played roller hockey Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so I um, I did all of that. I played basketball the least, so I think after about two or three years, I'm like, ah, uh-huh, this is this is probably not my thing. But played baseball all the way to high school. Really enjoyed baseball. Played roller hockey all the way uh, up to high school, and uh, some in high school, like organized roller hockey leagues, um, and then. Um, yeah, obviously played football in high school. Yeah. So. And
0: that's when you kind of went all in on it. And you, is that when you realized that college was going to become a realistic mm-hmm.
1: option for you after school? Correct. Yeah. You know, um, I, re- well, I, I don't know if I realized in ninth grade it was going to be a realistic option. I realized I wanted it to be an okay. <laughs> <that> option <laughs> and that I was going all in. Yes. You know, um, I knew this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to play college football and, uh, I felt the best way to do that was to go all in on one sport. Um, A lot of guys can can play baseball and football throughout, but for me I think I was a little bit underdeveloped um, from a size and our strength. So I wanted the whole offseason to be just dedicated to training um, and uh, getting myself into a position where, you know, a college coach would think I have the size, the strength, the speed Mm. to um, play at that level. Definitely. So you talked a little bit about uh,
0: Alabama kind of stiffing you a little bit, but Auburn was giving you some interest, and UAB. Mm -hmm. Were there some other schools that were also interested, and then what ultimately led you to going to UAB?
1: Yeah, um, Southern Miss recruited me pretty hard, Uh, South Carolina, Vandy. um, And when I say hard, I meant they sent a lot of letters. Right. Um, A lot of schools send letters, but it's really not serious – until they invite you on campus and they offer you a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really none of those schools offered me except UAB. And um, I went to UAB because it was the only offer that I had. It was pretty simple. Wow. <laughs> you know, but uh, I went there with a chip on my shoulder, um, willing to uh, do whatever it takes to, to, to make Alabama, to make Auburn, you know, regret. Like, man, we should have taken that guy. Uh, because that was a dream, you know. I wanted to play, I wanted to play in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play for the, you know, the big, the big boys. Um, but that wasn't God's plan for my life, and uh, going to UAB was, and it worked out exactly how it was supposed to, mm-hmm. and I'm thankful that it did. Yeah, it you know?
0: always seems to. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was only an hour away from, from your hometown, maybe an hour and a half, which is probably amazing for your family to be able to come support you. Exactly.
1: You know, and I mentioned I have a big family, and that support just continued through UAB. You know, uh, you know there would be 15 to 20 people at home games. Um, my dad bought a van that he decked out with like UAB like <laughs> stuff that he would drive to most Super away fam. games. Yes. I mean, uh, just the most supportive mom and dad, you know, you could you could imagine. I remember uh, we would play in Texas, they'd drive out there. We'd play in Cincinnati, they drive there, we'd play, you know, in Tampa, they drive there. Um and so I'm very grateful, you mm-hmm. know, to have like it didn't matter, like they were gonna be there. Um, and, uh, that was an example that, you know, now my kids, like, I'm going to be there for yeah. them, like, regardless what it takes, the sacrifices, um, that it takes, like, I'm going to be there, um, because there, there's only so many years a child is going to be in your home, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you look at that and you're like, you know what? I need to capitalize on every opportunity, um, to make a difference in this child's life um, if I want to be a great dad and I do. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be good.
0: Well, everything you do, uh, it's great. So I I imagine it's going to continue with parenting and already has, I'm not personally ready to be a parent, but I very much (laughs) so look forward to joining you in that, in that life role. Um, so at UAB, you were the school's all time leading tackler by the end with, uh, 372 tackles, obviously an illustrious career. What was what was your experience like as as a blazer and just being a student athlete? Sure,
1: um, I loved every minute of it. You know, um, it was a dream come true for me to to play Division One college football. Mm-hmm. So, I made sure to um, to maximize my experience. You know, I I try to do everything to the to the the max degree of the training of practice. Um, Preparation, you know, eating right, resting. Uh, I loved it. You know, being a blazer was uh, was great, um, and the fact that uh, I was able to start as a sophomore, um, and it was sometimes challenging as well because we were a program that didn't have a lot of respect. Um, we didn't have a lot of support. Um, you know, when you look at those SEC programs, and, and you know, I knew that so. Uh, me trying to do more with less Mm -hmm. was, was really what it came down to. And um, I remember I, I, a lot of summers went out on my own to find like elite strength and conditioning coaches, you know, at facilities or I remember going and trying to find elite nutritionist to teach me, you know, how to really do it right because, um, you know, we just didn't have some of that, that bigger schools did.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, But, that wasn't going to stop me. I was going to find a way and it's still kind of my, the way I operate. Like there's always a way, you know, it might not be through the front door. Uh, you might have to go around back. You might have to go through the side. Um, but if you are creative enough as a thinker and as a worker, there's always a way. Mm. Um, it's just a matter of, uh, are you willing to continue trying new things until you get it? So you would be, was great. Um, I reached a lot of my goals there. Uh, One goal was to be an all-conference linebacker I was um, three times. Um, One goal was to help them go to their first ever bowl game. Uh, We did that my senior year. Um, You know, one goal was to to go to the NFL. Mm -hmm. Uh, UAB was the avenue that led to the NFL for me. And so I'm really grateful for UAB Um, giving me an opportunity when nobody else would. Um, and so I'm still very supportive of, of those guys. And, and a cool thing now is their head coach now was my high school head coach at Prattville High. Really? So yeah, he's, um, he's an, um, he actually got coach of the year, the Eddie Robinson coach of the year award this year. Um, unbelievable coach, but a great person and, and, somebody who I've known for a long time. So I'm really proud of him.
0: Definitely. That's a big jump.
1: Yeah, well, he slowly made his way up. He didn't go right from Pravill High to UAB. He went to the University of South Alabama as a defensive coordinator for a while, and then he went to Jacksonville State, which is an FCS school, as the head coach, and then he had success there, and then he went to UAB. Okay. So, yeah. All
0: right. So you, you alluded to the NFL and how UAB was kind of your pathway there. So Heading into your, your career there, you had offers from both the Bears and the Packers to attend training camp. And uh, I'm wondering what motivated you to, to pick the, the best organization in the league. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um, well, a lot of it had to do with my agent at the time. You know, I didn't know anything about really the NFL as far as, as that stuff goes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was kind of really listening to what he said would be the best opportunity for me to make a team based on uh, the roster, you know, based on uh, how I played, my style, the defense that was run. And um, so really that was how it was done uh, as much as um, the Green Bay Packers history and organization is just like, wow. It was more of my agent said, Zach, this is where you need to go. (laughs) I was like, yes, sir. Okay, we'll do it. Uh, Yep, yep. So off to Green Bay, where
0: I believe it was Mike Sherman's final year as the head coach, two thousand five. That's correct. Yes, and also there was another rookie that season, Aaron Rodgers. That's right. You two were rookies together. Yep. And uh, I'm wondering, do you have any? Do you have a fun story or any? Yeah, yeah? I, have,
1: um, I have a lot of fun Aaron Rodgers stories. <laughs> um, Aaron and I met right away and became good friends, um, and such good friends that he asked me to live with him um, after training camp was over. Wow. So, you know, I got cut, the last cut, but they uh, they signed me back to practice squad. Um, and then at that point, uh, we all had to get places. Up until that point, we were, like, staying in dorms or yeah. apartments or, I'm um, sorry, hotels. But uh, he's like, hey, why don't you just live with me? He bought a house, you know, obviously first yeah, round. and he's got that He cash. had a lot of money. I, I didn't have any money. Um <laughs> and of course I was like I would love to live with you man and uh so me uh so Aaron Aaron's brother Luke and I all lived together um, for that first year and only year I was in Green Bay but uh became really good friends he was actually in my wedding wow uh, he was a groomsman in my wedding very cool um and uh you know I got cut after I don't know maybe week 10 if I remember correctly and so then kind of bounced around the NFL a little bit more and we, sh- we did stay in touch. Um, it became harder uh, the more further away we got. But when I went back as a coach, we kind of reconnected. Yeah. It was a little different then. Different dynamic. Different dynamic. So I had to really navigate that. Um, it was tough because we were the same age. Um, we had played together, but he was still playing, and now I was coaching. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was obviously uh, eight years in, I think, at the time. Yeah little different dynamic and since I left Green Bay uh the second time you know it's been a lot harder for us to stay in touch um and so I haven't spoken with him in a while but every time uh I go back to Green Bay to visit which has only been once or twice um when I see him you know it's like old times yeah it's
0: like nothing's changed yeah, yeah. those are the best friendships yeah for sure for sure right on that is that's too cool um, so you, you talked about your time in Green Bay and how you kind of bounced around a little time with, I think the Saints and Ravens and Texans. Mm-hmm. And then you were drafted in the first round of NFL Europe yeah. to, was it the Frankfurt Galaxy?
1: That's right. Okay. That's right.
0: So how did that happen? And then did you go over there and move there and play?
1: Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was a really cool experience. You were exactly right with the timeline. Uh, I got cut from the Packers, uh, like a week later, I got signed by the Saints to their practice squad. Was only there for two weeks. The Ravens signed me. And then the Ravens is the first organization that I actually got signed to the active roster. Oh, wow. So I played my first NFL snap with the Ravens. Nice. Um, and we actually played the Packers. It was a Monday night game. Okay. And uh, there's a really cool picture I have of me and Aaron uh in my house, uh, him in Green Bay, me in Ravens uniform. Yes. After the game, uh, and a amazing, really cool picture that that he has and I have. And um, but that was my first snap. That that was a game I, I recorded my first ever NFL tackle. Um, and then I was with the Ravens through the whole off season, and I got cut the next year. Um, and then I was out of football for a season. Uh, the NFL Europe draft it was in January of after that year and yep. yeah they drafted me and I went there and uh it was awesome you know uh spent i think it's about 3 months in in Europe we were stationed in Frankfurt Germany yeah um but we bounced around uh to Berlin to Hamburg to the Netherlands um let's see where else did we go uh, I took a trip to Italy with my wife while we were over there we we didn't play over there but so I got to see a lot of that um, part of the world, which was really um, was really cool. There's so many fun stories I could tell you about our team in the hotel in Europe, uh, <laughs> and my wife in the hotel in Europe. Um, but uh, that's probably for another day. Yeah. Um, you can imagine, yeah, you can imagine like 50 young American football players just, you know, playing football and roaming around Europe. Yeah, it's dangerous. Yeah, yeah, it was... <laughs> It was a great experience. Got to play a lot of great football against a lot of guys that, you know, finished there and got signed into the NFL and played, you know, long careers in the NFL. That was also the last year they had it.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. That's yeah. when they
1: folded after that year. You folded. Guys. We were spending too much of the NFL's money over there in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, they're like, "This is not. This uh, is out of control. Is, yeah, this is not working." But uh, that was a great experience. Yeah, really enjoyed it.
0: Right on, and I think you guys went seven and
1: three and went to the World Bowl. Yep. They called it. Yep, that's their version of the Super Bowl. We couldn't quite pull it off, um, but again, going back to just a great support system, my mom and dad flew to uh, Frankfurt to watch that World Bowl, um, wow. and uh, yeah, it was really cool to have them over there. And then they they toured, you know, Italy and and lots of Europe after that game was over. and it's the first time my dad, I think, had been um, out of the United States. So mm. it was a great experience for him and um, probably my mom as well. Um, great experience for them both to um, to be in Europe and, and travel to Italy and um, see that part of the world.
0: Absolutely, yeah. My parents are A, not big travelers, and B, of have- Outside of our drive to Niagara Falls, have not been
1: out of the country. So I'm ready to <laughs> you know, get them over my, there. Too. my dad always says that's his last time. He's like, I think uh, probably stay in states from here on out. <laughs> Where my mom is like, No, we got to go on. again. Yeah. So, uh,
0: yeah, that's, that's funny. awesome. So, was uh, the Europe experience was that the end of your playing career when you came back? Was that when for you the most part? Um,
1: the Houston Texans did sign me after Europe. Um, it's hard to count that because it was, um, it was the off season when they signed me. So I did go to the, the Texans organization and facility, and I worked out with them for like a month in the summer, but I never really practiced with them. Like, cause they cut me before training camp started. Um, and then I had a couple of tryouts that fall. I think, uh, I flew out to Oakland, worked out with the Raiders, worked out with the Vikings, um, worked out with the Lions, um, but nobody ever signed me out of those workouts. And so really yeah, the NFL Europe was the last true football that I played, you know, games. Um, and it was shortly after that fall, probably, I don't know, maybe October, November, that I decided it was it was time to move on uh, into my next phase of life. And uh, I went back to school. Um, I think I had one or two credits left to graduate. I did that. I kind of started a master's program, and um, after that fall, uh, I started coaching. You know, Mm -hmm. like probably December, January of 2000. I think it was seven. uh, I started coaching.
0: Yeah, it was. kind of a seamless transition for you from what it looks like on the outside. You know, you were playing, came back, um, you already knew what you wanted to kind of go into with the health and exercise sciences. Mm-hmm. You were really into that at UAB um, and kind of started with an internship at UAB and Correct. then a volunteer coaching position at Alabama. That's right. Tell me about that. Was that,
1: like, right when Saban started there? I, I was his first year, I think. Um, I never – Um, I never met Coach Saban that year because I was just in the weight room. But the way that happened, I had a friend, a high school friend that attended the University of Alabama. Um, He was there, I think, getting his master's. He was a little bit younger than me, so he was still in school, um, and he was doing it. And he was like, hey, they need uh, volunteer interns. Um, Would you be interested? I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll come. I'll come do that. You know, it was only 45 minutes from Birmingham. And so I remember I would go there in the mornings to Tuscaloosa, intern in the morning, let's say from 5 to 11 or 12, drive to Birmingham, and then I would do the internship in the afternoon with uh, UAV.
0: Wow.
1: And so I was just trying to soak up as much as I could Mm -hmm. and learn and uh, work. And um, I did that for a few months before I got an offer to go out to Los Angeles to Athletes Performance and um, started coaching out there.
0: Yeah, and that sounds like such an amazing, invaluable experience that you had in L.A. So you were there for three, four years working Mm -hmm. with professional athletes and Olympians and kind of away from the team setting. Mm -hmm. And now more, I don't know if it was more corporate or what it was like out there, but what was it?
1: Yeah, it was was professional and college athletes, so um, it was still an athletic population um, it was it was unbelievable I learned so much out there um, uh, Mark Verstegen's a guy that founded athletes performance and he's um, you know by a lot of people in, in my profession him and a couple other guys are kind of thought to be some of the early I guess pioneers of movement based training you know which is just the philosophy or style that that uh, I um, choose to coach, mm. you know, um, training movement patterns, not muscles, not not really focusing on, like, just get big yeah. or focusing on numbers, but focusing on quality of movement, how well an athlete moves. Yes. Um, because their movement capacity is what's going to allow them to be great at their sport, their ability to move well, to stop, to change direction. And so being able to learn from him and, and a lot of his – close, uh, assistance was invaluable for me really to learn the holistic model of performance being, um, how important nutrition is, Mm -hmm. how important recovery is, how important the mental side of, of training is. And so much more than just lifting weights and running, um, it was a very holistic methodology and, uh, I saw how all the pieces fit together and without one of the key pieces, you, you really couldn't achieve optimal performance. And um, it was great, man. It was great. I worked with so many different athletes, NHL, MLB, NFL, um, athletes preparing for the NFL Combine, um, so diverse of populations that um, it really gave me a great start to coaching and gave me a lot of confidence that, um, you know, I could – I could do this job well after learning for four years from a lot of people there mm-hmm. and practicing it on myself, practicing on others. And uh, yeah, it was great. That, that led me to Green Bay. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for self study.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, underutilized overall. But so I remember when I first started working here and I was kind of tutoring as my side hustle. Uh, and a lot of the football players are talking about, man, we got, we had yoga this morning (laughs) and all this stuff. And I was like, I love that strength and conditioning is doing yoga. So you're implementing that and a lot of stretching. And is that kind of what you're talking about with movement style? Yeah.
1: Well, that's the, yeah, that's part of it. Uh, That's more of the holistic model. Okay. That's more of, um, strength and conditioning is more than just lifting and running. Uh, And a lot of people now change the term to sports performance Mm -hmm. Um, being just a broader, you know, when you say strength, it does kind of like just give you the thought of lifting weights Um, and conditioning gives you the thought of running, whether it be long or short and fast. So performance is a little bit more encompassing of the recovery, the nutrition, the mental training. Uh, along with the strength training, the power training, the movement training. So, yeah, the yoga and a lot of the mobility, it just that, that is the um, the holistic nature of everything that we do. Um, a lot of guys are really tight, really stiff. Um, and so doing doing stuff like that allows them to open themselves up so they can move better, move more freely. Right on.
0: So before we jump into round two in Green Bay, I'm curious as to what you miss most about L.A., whether it be that particular position or something about the
1: culture, the city. Uh, I definitely miss the weather first. Mm-hmm. Um, 75 and sunshine every day yes. of the year. Um, I, mi- I miss that, but I, do, I love seasons as well. That's perfect. You know, you, you kind of get spoiled out there. Like, it, it never changes. Um, so I remember sometimes thinking, like, I wish it was fall.
0: Yeah. But it was
1: it was it was nice summer all year round, <laughs> so I miss that. Um, I miss the ocean, you know. Mm-hmm. I miss the ocean and the mountains being so close, right there. so close. You know, you could go hiking in the mountains and you could go surfing same day. Yeah, um, I miss uh, just the diversity, the you know the different people, the different foods, the different. Um, you know, everything. It's a very diverse place. And uh, it really uh, helped me to grow as a, as a human being, to um, understand people more, where they come from, why they are like they are. Uh, it allowed me to um, really have more um, just belief in, in my beliefs, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and uh, was really blessed uh, to meet some unbelievable people in Los Angeles um, that, that helped me grow as a person and as a coach. It was good.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And then you go
0: from L.A. and this beautiful weather <laughs> and mountains and ocean to Green Bay, Wisconsin That's once right. again. That's right. Which was probably a challenging uh, transition for you and Fawn. And, yeah. You know, Especially, I mean, the ladies really like California.
1: Oh, yeah. More so for Fawn. I mean, I can't. I can't describe how excited I was to rejoin the Packers organization. So um, I really I really, at that point was so hungry for getting back in the team setting um, and to be able to do it with an organization that I played for, an organization that was um, as great as Green Bay, I, w- I was excited, you know. Like it was, it was like, "Let's go!" And Fawn was like, "Oh, where are you taking me?" <laughs> you know, she loved LA, and uh, yeah, I think the first week we were there, it was like late April. It was a blizzard. There was a blizzard
0: mm-hmm. late
1: April. Um, Sounds you know, but right. yeah, there's there's so much uh, energy and so much just uh, passion and excitement surrounding uh, that organization. Mm-hmm that uh, as long as there was football going on, Green Bay was awesome. Absolutely. Uh, Green Bay got hard in, like, February, March, and April um, when there was no football going on, and it was still really cold. Yeah. Um, But as soon as, you know, guys start coming back in the building in, you know, uh, April and May and June, I think things started to pick up. It was cool. Definitely. So the first time
0: you were in Green Bay, we had Mike Sherman – Brett Favre was the QB one. You come back for round two, and now McCarthy's kind of leading the organization, and Rodgers is coming off a Super Bowl win, or maybe that's right before the Super Bowl. Coming off, yeah. Uh, So can you talk about the cultural differences between your two
1: seasons in Green Bay? Yeah. yeah. You know, I think um, the first time I was there, it seemed to be a little bit more – um I think Mike Sherman was a little bit uh more of a, a very business it, it seemed a little bit more like looking over your shoulder okay. maybe Yeah um whereas McCarthy was was really still mu- really business like but I think he was a little bit more of a players coach mm-hmm. um and I think uh you know just the the dynamic of Brett they're both going to be Hall of Fame quarterbacks so I don't know yeah. what the big difference was I think the biggest difference the second time they were coming off of a Super Bowl win right and so that's just a different feel when you're doing really good the first time I was there we struggled you know it was a three or four or five win team Mm -hmm. you know so the biggest biggest differences were probably the feel of a highly highly successful organization who just won a Super Bowl the energy of that and then the energy of an organization that had been highly successful but was struggling Mm. so that that was that was probably the biggest difference that makes sense and then you you kind of parlayed that
0: second opportunity in Green Bay into becoming the director of strength and conditioning at your alma mater Mm -hmm. and I mean at a very young age you're taking the reins and we kind of already touched on that earlier and the disappointment of going down there and uh, having the program fold but they went from Two and ten in two thousand thirteen to six and six in two thousand fourteen, which I think you know is not a direct correlation to bringing Coach Woodfin in, but you played a big role in that. and And what
1: was that experience like for the first time being the leader? Right, I was I was very ready again to to lead. You know, that's something that. Um, I feel, I feel like God has blessed me with, with a, a leadership ability. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely that, that had to be, uh, advanced through self, you know, self-learning and experience. Um, and, but that's something I wanted to do, you know, so after three years in green Bay, I was itching to, to lead, you know, as much as I loved everybody in green Bay, I was, I was really, really ready for the next opportunity to be a head string coach. Mm-hmm. Um, And I got that, and it was a no-brainer for me um, to go down to UAB, my alma mater, to join Bill Clark, who was my high school head football coach. That was his first year too. Wow! So the the um, the success that we were able to have, relative success, two and ten to six and six, uh, was really it was a product of everybody. You know, everybody cared uh, so much about those kids, and um, everybody uh, went above and beyond, and um again, we try to be creative. We try to think outside the box. And we tried to um, have the mindset of, like, why not us? Like UAB had not had a winning season in 10 years at that point. But none of us cared. You know, that, that didn't um, like, allow us to believe that it wasn't possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we all just worked together. And, and uh, we're, we were able to go 6-6, six and six, bowl eligible, did not go to the game they cut the program, um, but it was still an unbelievable accomplishment uh, for for our team that year, and um, it was tough tough way to end it, but again, everything happens for a reason. Yes. And uh, there's a lot of good that came out of that. The good now, looking back, is UAB was brought back bigger and better than ever. They built them a $25 million football facility. Um, wow. You know, they, they're building a new football stadium. Uh, it, it allowed a lot of people to really get serious about UAB football and say, you know what, no, this is important. This is really good for Birmingham, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it back and let's do it right. Mm-hmm. And if that's what it took to do it right, then that's what it took. You know, like uh, now they're thriving, and they probably wouldn't have been thriving if it would have never shut down. So everything works out like it's supposed to work out. Yeah, sometimes we do have to take a step back
0: before we can really launch forward and whatever we're doing. Uh, So once again, you had another kind of obstacle to overcome and and you did that. You end up at Southern Miss as the director of their strength and conditioning, Brett Favre's alma mater, Mm -hmm. Uh, Hattiesburg. Yeah, Hattiesburg, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And you were there. And once again, we revitalized a program from three and nine to nine and five in
1: one year, so I'm am starting to see a correlation between these different stops. <laughs> I've been fortunate to be a part of you know those programs that, that turned, but um, there was a lot of good coaches on those staffs that that um. I totally miss they were working the turn. You know I came in the third year, mm-hmm. and it just happened to be the third year that we turned it. Um, you know I I think um, it's a it's again a product of a lot of people working consistently to, to get it right. And, um, you know, maybe they were missing a piece or two, um, to get it right. And maybe one of those pieces was strength and conditioning. Um, but there was definitely, uh, a lot more going on great than just my, my department. You know, mm-hmm. we, we had a uh, really good coaches across the staff and yeah, we were, we were able to go to the conference championship game that year and, um, did not win it unfortunately, but we were able to go and had a lot of great players on the teams that play in the NFL right now. And it was, it was great. Good year. Right on. And then last but not least,
0: where we're currently residing the university of Kansas. Yeah. A few years later opportunity to come here, you know, it is a relatively big jump to, to go from Southern Miss to, Mm -hmm. to being a Jayhawk and, um, First of all, what's been your favorite part about working and living in, in Lawrence, Kansas?
1: Well, the favorite part about working for KU is always going to be the athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, the opportunity to influence them uh, on a daily basis to be better better young men. You know, in my case, I'm, I'm working with old men, uh, young men. Um, but that's always the best part of it. You know, uh, the, it's always great as well, staff, to, to be around great people um you know and to be able to develop you know friendships through there but uh outside of that I love Lawrence I love the campus the the beauty of of the campus the the architecture of the buildings the the hills yeah. um you know I love Mass Street uh the diversity of food I love coffee there's a lot of good coffee shops Very much in so. town <laughs> uh and so is my wife you know she loves it and and my kids you know Feel um, really safe here. They have a lot of things they love to do here: sports, dance. They've um, they've really grown to like Lawrence. We like how it's it's close to KC, so um, a lot of stuff that we could do there. Um, it's centrally located. If we want to go East Coast, West Coast, Southeast, uh, we can all we can get there pretty quick. Yeah. You know, So there's, there's so many great things to love about Lawrence. No doubt. It yeah. is
0: kind of the epicenter of the United States. And when Google Earth was first created, Lawrence, Kansas was actually the city that it started in, wow. um, not only because it's the epicenter of the country, but also because the founder... Uh, he actually works on campus here, and I often play noon basketball with him.
1: Okay. Yeah, he's
0: just he seems like just a regular guy, but he founded Google Earth, and I think he was running for maybe like a Senate position in November, so he's trying to get into politics, but it's kind of cool.
1: That's a fun fact. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So um, this past year was your second year with the team, Mm -hmm. and I remember reading and talking with you about how the team had put on Seven or eight hundred collective pounds in the off season. Yeah, seven hundred. How does that make you feel knowing the tangible benefit that you're helping these student athletes achieve?
1: Yeah, it, it, that was awesome. Um, again, it was a, it was a collected effort um, from our nutritionists, uh, the assistant strength coaches, but mainly the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the ones that are that are training that hard. They're the ones that are being disciplined to. To eat the meals that they need to eat, to take the, the supplementation, you know that they need to take, in order to do that. So, um, to have a small part in 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 that was was awesome. But credit goes to the guys um, that actually did it, and um, and the team around us that held them accountable to doing it every day. Hmm. So, but that that was great. I think that really helped Kansas football um, position themselves to compete. At a much higher level in the Big 12, um, which which we did last year, um, and we're only going to continue to to not only compete but win in the Big 12 because um, uh, we, again we have unbelievable staff and uh, we have unbelievable men playing for us, young men, um, and they're they're gonna they're gonna continue to fight and and to work and and believe, uh, you know that, that we can win and win big here. KU Hmm.
0: I love it so final question regarding the coaching career and everything so I've seen you on the sidelines and it's it's wild it's a party you and your staff and I'm just wondering how uh, do you maintain this unparalleled energy throughout (laughs) the season especially you know in in a couple seasons where there hasn't been a lot of winning Where, where, where does that come from
1: well it comes from when you love what you do you don't you know you 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 got to let it show, you know, uh, if you have to manufacture fake energy, then it's going to wear off after a while, especially when times get tough Mm -hmm. like they've been. Um, But if you truly love it and you truly love uh, the young men that you've been developing and, and building into that, you know, on game day, like that's there's only 12 a year guaranteed. And all the work throughout the year is done for those twelve. So mm-hmm. um, it's you know if, if you truly love it, you got to let it show, and, and that's what that's what I do. And I try to bring people alongside me that that I know are going to love love the the uh, profession and love the kids. Um, and then it, it's just natural, mm. you know. So it's a it's a natural product of loving something.
0: I love it. Yeah, it seems one hundred percent authentic and. Even if maybe watching what's been on the field hasn't been the best, it's always been fun watching you guys on the sidelines. So, yeah. uh, and it's only going to get better, like you said. For sure. Yeah. So I want to transition into a little bit of your personal life, okay. your family. You know, We've talked about all these different destinations and life experiences that you've had. And you've been with Fawn since high school. She's been your high school sweetheart, and she's stuck through with all that. And I imagine it's been really challenging at times for you two when Mm -hmm. you're in different places or, you know, she doesn't want to move from L.A. to Green Bay. So tell me about that and your relationship with Fawn.
1: Yeah. um, Well, Fawn's my best friend and uh, an unbelievable person. Uh, First of all, uh, just she's got the biggest heart of anybody I know. Um, and, and people that really know her, they see that through her generosity and uh, how she loves people. Um, so I'm, I'm so blessed to have her as my wife and, you know, my wife partner. Um, and uh, she's she's just made life so much fun for me. And as is, is awesome of a wife as she's been and she is, she's that great of a mom, mm-hmm. you know, which is so fun for me to see because I love – I love kids so much in general, but, but now that I have my own, it's it's an indescribable love, you know? Um, and so to see how good fun is with, with our kids is is awesome. And uh, for her to um, sacrifice a lot for, for my career has been something that um, I've been very thankful for. Um, and I try to really figure out ways I can reciprocate,
0: mm.
1: you know, um, to her to, to make sure she understands everything is not about me. Um, uh, this is, you know, this is a partnership. Uh, so everything we do is about us, you know, and about our kids too. Um, from here on out, you know, once we, uh, once we got married, had kids, um, it's about all four of us right now. Um, and and I really try to think of that in every big career decision I'll ever make, um, is is this what's best for all four of us, not just what's best for me? Mm-hmm. In the past, maybe when we were just married, I might have had that mindset. This is best for me, but uh, I've matured and I've grown, and and now it's 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 all about it's all about them now. Yeah, that's the most important team that you're on now. Yeah, for sure,
0: definitely. And so she's kind of got an entrepreneurial spirit that mm-hmm. I know you have a little bit
1: too, uh, and she owns a boutique shop down on Mass Street. Well, she doesn't own it. Um, so there's a there's a boutique that um, brings in consultants. Yes. Um, I guess you could call that a co-op. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. So she did. She had a um, she had a like a little area in a boutique down there. There was like four or five boutiques in one big store. Um, she's since pulled out of there and now is just kind of doing everything on her own. Okay. And so yeah, she has Deer Violet. What's the name of her business um, it's a it's a women's um, trendy fashion you know uh, line that, that fawn goes to market and um, she buys all the the clothes and uh, she'll set up pop-up boutiques at people's houses um, people's cool, businesses yeah. and they'll invite friends and uh, fawn will style them she so she's really good at styling and um, yeah that's what that's what we've come to, um, agree upon wherever we go, she can do that. Yeah. And so it's really good. She doesn't have to like get a job somewhere and then quit and then get a job and then quit. Like she can do what she loves anywhere in the country. Hmm. Um, and it really works well for our family. That's what I love about
0: the digital age is, you know, she probably has a website or she will at some point and e-commerce and the way that Mm -hmm. you can, kind of generate business through the internet is it's a beautiful thing it's a growing thing uh, and it's just a great opportunity for people like that yeah no yeah. doubt and then so the the kiddos we've got yeah. valor and violet yep and they're just and uh, bundles of joy i had a pleasure got <laughs> lunch with you guys after church one time and uh what, what are they up to i know you said that valor's six
1: valor's six he yeah. just turned six in november um he just finished basketball season so he played for Coach uh, Simeon's team. Oh, so it's always good when you can have your six-year-old being coached up by an ex-NBA player. That helps, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and a person as amazing as Wayne Simeon. Yeah, um, you know. So that was a blessing uh, that that he played on uh, on that team, and he's going to play um, again in January. I think on the same team. So um, he loves basketball. He. Um, He's played uh, t-ball in the summer, and uh, you know, I, like I said earlier, we're gonna get him into football one of these days. And um, he plays a lot of soccer as well. Wow, so he's really busy right now. Yeah. yeah, that is awesome. And then uh, Violet—is she gonna be the sporty kind, or is she gonna be more artsy, like Mom? Yeah, maybe? she's gonna be more artsy. Okay, she's uh, she's in dance right now. She loves dance. She loves to draw and to paint and to color. And so uh, I think she's going to have more of the artsy gene. Um, she's a very much a girly girl, um, not too into sports. We, me and Val are always watching football. She, yeah. I don't want to watch football. <laughs> Turn it <laughs> off. So we have to figure out a compromise with Violet because, uh, yeah, she's, she's not into football as much as we are. That's mm-hmm. good. That's awesome. And then finally,
0: I know that faith plays a tremendous role in your life. Yes. And uh, is that something that has always been a staple since you were uh, kind of born and raised in Alabama? Or is it something that has really maybe deepened in your adult experience?
1: Yeah, it, it has always been a part of my life, for sure. Um, how serious and how committed to my faith um uh, has wavered, you know, in different times of my life, you yeah. know, like, um, I was raised going to church and, um, my mom and dad were, uh, really diligent in, in teaching me, um, who Jesus was, you know, um, what Jesus's life was all about, um, what, uh, what Christianity was, what it meant to follow, to follow Jesus and to be a Christian, um, and what it wasn't, you know, and, uh, so there's, there's definitely been times in high school and in college that uh, maybe my words said one thing, but my actions said another. Uh, it was probably when I moved to L.A. that I really wanted to, to change that, you mm-hmm. know, and, 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 and I wanted to be more authentic and who I was as a person. And of course, I was going to fail because we all are going to fail, you know, at trying to be who we want to be and we're all, um, gonna make mistakes, but I at least wanted to give it a a true shot. And and so I was a part of a church there called Mosaic and I was really influenced by a guy named Erwin McManus, who was our pastor. Um, he's, he's an author. He's written several books. You can, you could look him up, but he's, um, he's somebody that played a big part in in my faith really growing, um, helping me to understand what following Jesus really looked like. Mm. Um, what it did not look like um, some of the you know stereotypes that maybe or misconceptions that people think and and so I really tried to start living my life um, following Christ um, being authentic with what I said and what I did uh, loving others, accepting others for where they were even if they were different than me um, and an understanding that you know Jesus, he, when he stepped into this world, he came to save people, not to judge people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really try to start living my life like that, um, uh, eliminating judgment if people were different yeah. than me. Um, still caring about them and, and not letting their opinions waver from mine, you know, but yeah. but also not allowing their difference of opinion to cause me not to want to be around them, mm-hmm. you know. So really... Um, uh, Meeting people where they are, yeah. you know, letting them letting them just experience through how I act, how I treat them, let them experience who Jesus is to me, um, and uh, that's been my mission really ever since. is is to allow people who maybe don't know um, who Jesus is or what following Jesus looks like, is to just try to exemplify through living my life. And if if they see something in my life that that causes them to want to know more, um, then of course I'm going to tell them. And and, and I tell people sometimes as well. Um, but I but I'm very very um, I guess you could say intentional about meeting people where they are. And and everybody doesn't have to be just like me mm-hmm. for me to want to hang out with them, and for me to want to care about them. And that's what uh, allows me to. To do what I do with our athletes, um, you know, on a daily basis, because they're all different. They're not all like me. They all don't believe what I believe, but I still love them and I still care about them, and I want them to see uh, Jesus through my life,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, how I treat them, how I talk to them, how I treat my wife, how I treat my kids, how you know generous I am, uh, all those things that that if you really study the person of Jesus Christ who he was, um, and what he stands for. And so that's, um, that's, that's just a kind of a snapshot of my faith and and how I try to live it out.
0: That's beautiful. And that is real. You know, I see all that about you and in you and the way that you've just openly expressed your beliefs and in a culture that can sometimes maybe push that aside, Mm -hmm. you know, football culture and, um, just our society in general right now, yeah. it seems to be a bit contrarian to to live that way. So I just mad respect. Thank I love you for that. Thank yeah, you,
1: man. yeah. I always try to go back to uh, there's scripture in the Bible that uh, I mean I may be paraphrasing, but it says, um, you know, if, if you if you deny me on earth, then then I'll deny you at the gates. Mm. Um, and so I never want to be shy about my faith. I never want to be um, embarrassed about my faith. Um, I want to be really proud and confident about it um, because it's it's who I am. And, and um, you know, I know everybody may not be the same as me, and that's okay. But I always want to be really confident in what I believe and why I believe it. Um, because ultimately when, when I have to stand before um, him at the gates, you know, uh, of heaven, I want him to say, well done. Yes. You know, well done. Come on in. So I think you will.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> well, Zach, I just want to thank you for taking the time to come on, and I so appreciate you going out of your way to kind of build a friendship with me throughout the past couple sure. of years. It's been really uh, cool, and uh, obviously I wish you and your family nothing but the best in the future. I know it's incredibly bright, and I'm excited to see where you go and hopefully that's nowhere for, for quite some time. Hopefully we're both still here in Lawrence. Um, but I just have a a few fun questions uh, to finish up the podcast. Yeah. Um, best book that you've read in
1: 2018. (laughs) All right. Um, I would, I would have to say the book grit. Yeah. Um, Angela Duckworth. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really applicable to what, what I do and and what I continue to want to do with, with our athletes here um understanding to be great at something you don't have to be born great at it mm. you know uh and and that's what I want to help Kansas become I want to help Kansas become great uh, regardless if if we're recruiting five star athletes or not um you know and and having having that grit factor is important in that so definitely so grit
0: passion perseverance and effort squared there that's, you go. That's essentially what Angela's go. going to tell us.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Number two, your go to restaurant in Lawrence. Man, um, I'm going to have to give merchants my go to. Yes. Uh, great, great atmosphere. Uh, I love the Brussels sprouts. But uh, yeah, they, they've got multiple good things on their menu. And, yeah. and it's a great atmosphere. I love it. Bison Burger. I just got the yeah, Bison Burger. That one's pretty good. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And last but not least, Favorite Christmas movie?
1: Wow. You know, me and my family were talking about this last night, and uh, I, I'm going to have to go with Elf. Uh, Elf. Yeah. Will. J- j- I can't not think any movie from Will Ferrell's not hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know, all of them. And so uh, it comes on TV all the time now, which is great. And so I probably watched it like five times with my kids this Christmas season. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah.
0: Right. On. Well, that's kind of the rapid fire that I had. Do you have any, uh, any final thoughts or words of wisdom for, for the listeners?
1: Uh, yeah, I would, just, I would just say, you know, hopefully um, uh, everybody listening could take something, you know, from, from, from my talk here, a little bit about my life and, yeah. and my why I do what I do. Um, I think that's so important to, to have a why, you are doing what you do, because like you mentioned uh, with my energy on the sideline, if you really love what you do, um, you're going to be so fired up to do it. It's never, it's never going to be hard to show. So, um, try to find everybody's uniquely gifted, uh, and try to find your unique gifts, uh, and, and turn that into a career. Uh, and I think, um, you know, happiness will, will always be, be there for you. So mm, beautiful. Find your why, and
0: uh yeah thank you so much zach thank you to everyone who has taken the time to listen to this hope you have a happy and healthy holiday season and uh we'll we'll catch you in 2019 all right bye-bye